The Galaxy S21 5G has just been announced and to tell us all about it, including how it compares to the still pretty new iPhone 12, it's Android Central's managing editor, Daniel Bader. Sponsored by Skillshare. I mean, if you're, if, if we're acknowledging 5G this year, then it is the Galaxy S21 5G, um, along with the Galaxy S21 Plus 5G and the Galaxy S21 Ultra 5G. Is this because Verizon came out at the Apple event and said 5G starts now and Samsung was like, we've been doing this for years. We've been carrying you on our back for years and you do this to us now? Is this like a little payback? No, they've been uh, appending 5G to their phones since last year, since the Galaxy S20 5G. What, What was interesting is in the briefings that we had with Samsung this year, 5G was barely mentioned. It was not even a topic of conversation. It was just a spec bullet. Whereas last year, they spent most of the time talking about how this would enable all of these amazing new experiences. It also seems, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that Samsung was jealous about how much the last Pixel phone leaked, and they were determined <laughs> determined to one-up them with Galaxy S21 leaks. Yeah, I I mean, it's interesting. We always know everything about the Galaxy phones uh, uh, well before they they get announced, and, and this year is no exception. I think the, the interesting thing is that these phones are being launched earlier. They're being launched about a month and a half earlier than normal, and there are a number of reasons for that. I think the primary one is that Qualcomm had its Snapdragon 888 ready earlier this time around. That's really the bottleneck for any flagship phone being released in the new year. So I often say comparing an Apple A-series chip to a Qualcomm chip, especially in an Android phone, because there's so many different parts, is like comparing a Ferrari to a tractor trailer. You know, like they have completely different jobs to do and counting the amount of wheels on them is just not helpful for anybody. But do you have a sense of where or how the 888, and I believe it's bundled now with the X60 modem, compares with what Apple's doing with the A-series, the A14 right now, and the, I think the X55 modem in iPhones? Yeah, so at its base level, the single-core performance on the A88 is significantly better than it was on the 865, but it doesn't come close to the A14 Bionic. Uh, it's still, you know, a, a ways off. In terms of multi-core, this is running, uh, this is an eight-core chip. There are, uh, there's one of these Cortex-X1 really high-performance cores, three of the regular high-performance cryo cores, and then four um, of, of the efficiency cores. Where we're looking at in terms of Qualcomm catching up to Apple is on the GPU side. The new Adreno GPU is very fast. It's about a 35% bump over the Adreno um, cores in last year's 865 phones and even the 865+. Plus. It's going to be a much better gaming experience, and Qualcomm has spent a lot of time optimizing the the pipeline for gaming, knowing that a lot of people are using phones for three, you know, very high performance games. I don't know how you feel about it, but there's, you know, some people will say the processor is really important. Some people will say it's not important. For me, there's like a few things I look at. One is how smooth and frustration free the overall just usability experiences, everything from scrolling to app switching. Another is like what kind of photo and video experiences it enables? Is it fast enough to just handle what I'm throwing at it? And the last is how long is it going to be viable for software updates? Because Apple tends to do four or five years. How do you look at that when you're looking at Android phones? 
So Pixel, Google's Pixel series has set the benchmark and there are companies, specifically Samsung, that have met them at that three-year update commitment. The Galaxy S10 and beyond series will be updated for three years. So one can assume that the Galaxy S21 series launching with Android 11 and One UI 3.1 will receive up to Android 14. This That's great. It's not as good as it as it is on an iPhone. So let's talk design for a minute. This year, famously, Apple went back to almost a retro future chic design reminiscent of the iPhone 4 and 5 with flat edges, uh, new colors, things like that. What is Samsung doing to push their design philosophy forward? These are very much of the time. You know, their their camera modules in the top left, they are um, selfie cutouts in, in the center of, of the OLED panel, right? These are familiar design elements. Nothing much has changed. But Samsung, like Apple, has been slicing away with a razor over time uh, any of the bloat, any of the uh, additional bezel, any of the 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 superfluous ports and the and and things like that that they don't feel is are, are necessary to the to a current you know generation buyer. I think the Galaxy S twenty one is about as efficient as Samsung has ever been. They, they've achieved what they've set out to do. They are leading the pack in terms of Android um, engineering and quality of of, of parts. And it seems like they're having just a little bit of fun with the camera modules now, which keep getting bigger and bigger. The Ultra obviously has two telephoto lenses, with one of which is a, a periscope lens. You know, it's just a very, there's a lot of hardware in there. So, you know, you look at something like the iPhone 12 Pro Max, it's a big phone. It's got a lot of hardware in there. And you can't help but just be awed by that camera bump. The same thing is true of the Ultra, but there's an extra camera. There's a lot of sensors. Uh, there's a laser autofocus module now, um, which wasn't there on the S20 Ultra last year. So there's just a lot going on in the back. But you know, it's business in the front, party in the back. And Samsung's leaning into it the way that Apple lead into it with the iPhone 12. So let's talk about the cameras for a minute. Google is famously sticking with their 12 megapixel shooter and just algorithming all the things. Apple is sticking with 12 megapixels but increasing the quality of the optics and doing a lot of computational photography. Samsung, like Huawei, just seems to be throwing all the glass, almost like in an old-school Nokia way, throwing all the glass at it. Yeah, if you look at the Ultra, it's a second-generation 108-megapixel sensor um, that shoots 12-megapixel photos. You know, you, you, one could say that they are throwing all the glass at, at all the things, but really, they aren't making that many changes to the fundamental design of... Of, of how they approach cameras, right? This is still a large primary wide, uh, wide angle uh, camera sensor. It's got an F1.8 aperture. Uh, they're not messing around with the dual aperture stuff anymore like they were with the S9. You know, it's very, it's very much a straightforward proposition. This is, this is just pixel binning to the extreme. Um, you know, you can shoot 108 megapixels or you can shoot 12 megapixels. Either way, you're gonna get a, a lot of detail in that shot. There's that ultra wide that is, you know, there's it's it's still the best ultra wide on in the Android ecosystem, and the the calibration between them is still the best in the Android ecosystem. What's really interesting here is what they're doing with telephoto. So instead of just going 2.5x or just you know extending it a little bit, 
they're ha- they have a large 64 megapixel sensor that they are then cropping in and allowing you to take a, um, a, a 3X telephoto photo. And then there's that 10 megapixel, um, 10X periscope lens so that they're combining all of that detail. So once you get past 3X up till 10X, they're sort of using the data that the 10X uh, lens is giving you, but they're, they're, they're using it sort of the way that Google does with its super high-res zoom to stabilize the photo and get you a more stable uh, viewfinder so you're not, it, it's not super shaky and you're, you're able to get more detail out of it. So they are doing a ton of on-device processing this time around. Um, and even though a lot of people made fun of that 100 megapixel or 100, 100x, um, you know, super zoom, this year's Super Zoom should be considerably higher quality. And I think Samsung acknowledged that they kind of messed it up on the S20 Ultra. Yeah, you mentioned the Super Res Zoom that Google started doing a couple of years ago. And this year, Apple started using Smart HDR and Deep Fusion to do something very similar with their digital zoom. But they're still not anywhere nearly competitive with a lot of the Android phones for actual real optical zoom. And it feels like that's still one of the biggest missing pieces in Apple's attempts to just provide DSLR or traditional photo-like, traditional camera-like functionality. Yeah, I, I still think that the telephoto experience on an iPhone is for portraits, right? I think that is the primary use case for it. They, they, they have this experience that, yes, you zoom in slightly further on the 12 Pro Max, but it's still, it, it, it's better able to frame a person. Uh, that is not the case with the Samsung telephoto, right? This is a This is a creep zoom. This is something that you can use to sort of sit, you know, stand on your balcony and see what's happening on the street level zoom. Hopefully what Samsung's done here is because you have two distinctive telephoto focal lengths, you can combine that data into something usable at 3X, at 5X, at 10X, and then potentially at 30 and 100X, because you just have so much data to work with. It always seems to me that Samsung and Apple are at almost polar opposites. Apple sits back and waits. They're like your conservative cousin who only implements one feature at a time, tries to do it well, and then moves on. Where Samsung is like your loony cousin that implements every feature every year. You never know which features will survive, which ones will just fall away and never be mentioned again, uh, and which ones other companies like Apple will adapt going forward. Is there anything like that this year, sort of just big splashy features that may or may not make it to the next version. Nothing that that really stands out. I think Samsung has become more conservative over time. Uh, they are implementing an ultra wideband chip, sort of like what, what Apple's doing, where you can eventually you'll be able to use your phone to unlock, you know, a, your car or just to, to start your car. Uh, they they're using it to sort of it, augment their find my uh, devices experience where you'll 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 be able to more granularly locate lost products they're they're launching a you know galaxy tag type product which you can put on your key sort of like a tile competitor but there's really nothing this year that screams this is a gimmick and i i think that's that's very good i also think that samsung in order to save money you know each one of these phones is $200 less than the galaxy s20 equivalent when when it launched in 2020 um they're removing some features and some some accessories that are uh, that are going to that's going to be the the biggest the, the most controversial decision right and uh, Samsung is is clearly you know they're removing the micro SD card from the S, from the Galaxy S twenty one series which is going to be very controversial 
they, they have data to back this up. And clearly Apple was a first mover with the accessory side of things. But um, that's, I think, where, where people are going to be uh, a little bit more skeptical and are going to scrutinize the decision around whether they should have done this uh, in order to keep costs down. Yeah, so uh, that that has been controversial, e- even with the previous models and now with you know all the information we had ahead of time on the Galaxy S21. Uh, some people just really don't like plastic. I don't mind it. Like, you know, unabashedly plastic, as long as it's good plastic, can be fine. I think every material has its drawbacks. Plastic cracks, glass breaks, ceramics shatters. Physics is a jerk. It's just the way that, that it is. But people are, you know, some people are really upset, really salty about that. And also things like, I, I've been very vocal about how I dislike the lack of a of a AC adapter in the iPhone. I think it it hurts the first run experience. How is that? And also, I mean, Samsung makes fun of Apple every time they do these things. Like they make fun of them for headphone jacks, for notches, for removing power. And then and they turn around and do it, which some people find a little hard to take. Look, there's no defending what Samsung's doing here. If you, um, if you believe what Apple says about trying to cut down on waste, then you will believe that Samsung is also trying to cut down on waste. But they're also removing the, uh, the headphones from the box they're still trying to make the, the the claim that they're cutting down on the size of the box to save shipping costs, et cetera. So the same language that Apple used for the iPhone 12 series, Samsung is using here. And I get it that as customers, we're the worst. Like we always say we want more features plus lower prices, and we just never seem to make the mental connection between those two things. And I think like OnePlus was a perfect example. Give us more features. Okay, here they are. Why is it more expensive? Okay, we'll take out the features. Don't you dare. Uh, How do you think Samsung is doing balancing everything from materials to accessories to the price points this year? In short, they did the right thing. Lowering the cost of their flagships was important, especially if they're doubling down on expensive foldables. So we'll see a Galaxy Z Fold 3 later this year. It'll inevitably still be $2,000 or more. And I think that is where they're going to focus their their attention on the premium segment. Um, The Galaxy S21 starting at $800 is by no no means a cheap phone. It's around the same price as the regular iPhone 12, a little bit more expensive than the 12 mini. You can expect a Galaxy S21 FE to launch at the $700 price point that the S20 FE launched at. I think Samsung, if you've watched that MKBHD video of like showing every single phone that Samsung launched in 2020, you get this impression that they are hitting every single price point from the $50 to $100 mark. And this just primes them to release a a more expensive Galaxy Z Flip and Galaxy Z Fold later this year and keep the MSRP of the Galaxy S21 series at what they consider a more accessible point. And I, and I think they've done a good job with that. From TouchWiz to One UI, you know, it's, it's been a journey. How do you think Samsung is doing now compared to, sure, compared to uh, iOS 14 on the Apple side, but also compared to what Google does with the, with the Pixel phones? One UI 3.0 that I'm using on the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra, it's very usable. And I say that as somebody who's been extremely critical of Samsung software decisions in the past. I basically don't make any changes to the stock loadout of apps anymore. I, I even use Samsung's internet browser. I really like it. I like their messaging app. I like their clock. I like their calculator. I like their phone app. I basically like everything Samsung is doing. Um, that is a very, very long way from even two or three years ago. My feeling is 
that for mainstream North American premium phone customers, it's basically an Apple and a Samsung story. If you want iOS, of course, if you want the Apple ecosystem, your only choice is the iPhone. If you want Android, or if you just don't care, but you don't want Apple, Samsung is by far uh, in the lead right now. How would you weigh the two of them in terms of what the the overall value they're delivering to customers these days? You know, I, I don't know how people review phones anymore without talking about ecosystem lock-in, right? So I, I can't talk about the Galaxy S21 series in a silo, right? You can't talk about the iPhone 12 in, you know, in a silo. Like I've been testing Apple Fitness Plus recently, right? And I need an iPhone or an iPad or an Apple TV. I need an Apple Watch, right? These are, and, and, and I benefit from AirPods, right? These are These are ways that you convince people that the iPhone is a better buy than the Galaxy S21 because of all of these these secondary and tertiary benefits. Um, There is not the same argument on Samsung's side, but there isn't, is it that that argument is becoming stronger. And as somebody who goes between the, the ecosystems, you know, the app quality gulf is still there. I say this every year with you, and that's not changing anytime soon. I don't like using most apps on Android when there's a better version on iOS, but from a hardware perspective, you'd be hard pressed to tell the difference. I love the fact that Samsung is giving you um, a high refresh rate experience on the Galaxy S21 uh, Ultra. You go from 10 hertz all the way to 120 hertz. That's not possible yet on the iPhone series, uh, 12 series, and I, you know, I I think that that's going to be a distinct advantage for Samsung this year. Everything else that you know, that's just kind of gravy. We'll we'll see what happens with the camera, but um, everything else I think is gravy right now. And if you want to learn how to make videos like this, way better than this, Ali Abdal's got a class on video editing with Final Cut Pro from beginner to YouTuber, so you can get started right. Also, Christopher Rose has a class on video on a budget to help you up your game without spending big game. Because that's the real power of Skillshare. It isn't just one class, even several classes. It's an online learning community that offers membership with meaning and with an annual subscription that's less than $10 a month. You can learn illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and more with real projects to create and a support of real fellow creatives. More than 7 million of us learning with Skillshare. And the first 1,000 of you who click on the link in the description will get a free trial of Skillshare Premium. Yeah, free. So act now and start learning today. And clicking on that link really helps out the channel. For all the latest on the upcoming iPhone 13, click the playlist above. All the leaks, all the rumors, all the analysis, just click on the playlist and I'll see you in the next video.